0: Welcome to this week's presentation with Scott Tool. We are thrilled to have you joining us as we gain insight from God's Word. Now, speaking from Rosedale Baptist Church in Baltimore, Maryland, here's Pastor Tool. Uh, well, we're in Exodus chapter 34. Uh, do you feel like you've stood enough? Does anybody feel like they've stood enough tonight? Uh, should we have you stand again? Should we have you say? Uh, okay, we'll, we'll allow you to be seated, but if you start to nod, I'm going to stand you up right in the middle. Just, uh, I mean, I'll, I'm going to say why and who it was, why we had to stand up again. Uh, but uh, try to listen carefully. I started to have a little sinus drainage, and I don't know if it's allergies uh, or if it's a cold, uh, but my approach to life is Char got me uh, the vitamin C drops. If you ever had those vitamin C drops? Uh, My opinion has always been, if a few of the vitamin C drops are good, uh, then a whole lot of the vitamin C drops are great. Uh, The only problem is it gets it stuck up in here nasally, and so uh, I'm a little bit there tonight, and so just try to listen on purpose if you can. Verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first. And I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables, which thou breakest. And be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai, and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount. And no man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let the flocks nor herds feed before that mount. And he hewed two tables of stone, like unto the first, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up unto Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and he took in his hand the two tables of stone, And, of course, this springs out of uh, the last chapter and even the chapter before where uh, Moses has already been on the mount for 40 days. Uh, he came down off of the mount with those Ten Commandments. Uh, God's people were already breaking most all of them, and then uh, Moses threw them down and broke them. Now God's forgiveness is upon them, but he still has Moses rewrite the law. He still has Moses recopy the commandments. And just because we're forgiven, just because we're saved, does not mean that the moral law does not apply. And so we're going to look a little bit at that uh, uh, tonight, but I want to start, look at verse number 18 of chapter 33, the last chapter, springs out of that. Uh, And he said, Moses said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Manifest, reveal to me. Put down point number one, if you will, underneath that. Notice the place of the revelation. The place of the revelation. How does God reveal himself to us? Or where does God reveal himself to us? We get a clue from the chapter, and it's the same place every time the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 21. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of God, by me, God the Father would say. He's right By me, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, a rock, that rock of Gibraltar, that chief cornerstone, that sure foundation, and it shall come to pass while my glory passes by, that I will put thee in the cleft, the cleft, the cleft of the rock, that split rock, Uh, I will envelop you in uh, Christ, and again Colossians, Christ in you the hope of glory, whom we uh, preach warning every man, teaching every man, that we may present every man perfect. In Christ Jesus. And so Christ is in us. We're uh, in Christ. We're enveloped in the cleft of that rock. And that's where we get the true revelation of God. Uh, apart from Christ, you won't understand who the Father is uh, apart from Christ. Uh, you can study all you want informationally and uh, even doctrinally. But, but apart from Christ, there's no revelation. And so the rock, the rock. Uh, we look at the prophecy of the Old Testament here uh, through the lens of Jesus, who's the spirit of prophecy, Philip would say, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And of course, Jesus said, have I been so long with you, Philip, and have you not known me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so uh, the place of that revelation is, is the rock, the cleft of the rock, uh, or for us, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, look at verse number five. And the Lord descended in the cloud, in the cloud. Uh, don't just surface read that. Well, in my opinion, that's that the pillar of cloud. That pillar of cloud that uh, obviously led Israel by day for, for 40 years. That, that pillar of cloud. And the Lord descended uh, in the cloud. More recently, we've seen it in Exodus chapter 19 uh, on Mount Sinai when that thick cloud was upon the mount. Uh, Even more recently, we saw that when Moses went outside of the camp, that that tent uh, of the congregation, that tabernacle of of the congregation, and the pillar of cloud uh, at that that, that door. In fact, it's verse number nine. As Moses entered the tabernacle, the cloudy cloud, the cloudy pillar, descended, stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped. They realized that this wasn't a weather event, that cloud there at that door. They realized it's a manifest presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God, the Kabod, his glory, that pillar of cloud. Uh, We see it leading Israel 40 years' wilderness. We uh, see it at that tent door, uh, last chapter. We uh, saw it on Mount Sinai when Moses ascended there. Uh, In my opinion, uh, and, and by the way, you also see it filling Solomon's temple uh, where the glory of the Lord was so thick no one could go in. That pillar of cloud, that glory of the Lord. Uh, but in my opinion, it's also uh, what Mary uh, uh, was aware of when uh, the virgin birth, uh, the power of the highest shall come upon thee. Uh, 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 the, the, I'll quote it uh, from the Bible so I don't misquote it. Um, uh, it. It says that the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee my opinion, that's the pillar of cloud again. The pillar of cloud again, that that manifest presence of God. Uh, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Uh, power of the highest shall overshadow thee. By the way, I think that's what Revelation 1 means when Christ comes back in the clouds. In the clouds. Manifest presence of God. Mount of Transfiguration, you see that. When they saw Christ, they saw Moses, they saw Elijah, and Simon Peter, because he didn't know what to say, uh, he didn't shut up, he, he said. Uh, and, and then uh, the Lord overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered the cloud, and there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. And so this Shekinah glory of God, that manifest presence of God, that, that kabod, the weight, uh, the only thing that truly satisfies that eternal longing of our soul is not some religion. It's not some lifestyle It's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, verse number five, and the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed, proclaimed the name of the Lord. Put down number two. We have first uh, the place of the revelation. It's in the rock. It's in Christ. Uh, Christ is the spirit of prophecy. And then, uh, number two, the proclamation of God. Uh, Moses came apart to meet with God. And God revealed himself to him in an unusual way. There was a famous violin uh, player back in the day, Fritz Keisler, from Hamburg, Germany. And he was making a trip to London for a, for a concert, a soloist, a violinist. And uh, when he was heading towards the ship to board to go, uh, he stopped at this music shop. And when he uh, went in, he had his violin that he was carrying with him. And the shop owner said, uh, can I see that violin? And he recognized, recognized uh, the violin as Fritz Keisler's uh, violin. Uh, and, and he, he said, uh, uh, can I see that? And he walked back uh, out uh, the back of the shop and he came back with two police officers to arrest him. And the police officers, uh, when Keisler said, well, why are you arresting me? Because you've stolen Fritz Keisler's violin. And uh, It was just they didn't recognize him, they recognized the violin. Uh, and so uh, if they took him down to to incarcerate him, he would have missed that ship, he would have missed that trip, he would have missed that uh, concert. And, and so Keisler uh, uh, wisely, cuttingly said, well, do you mind if I take a look at that violin just real quickly before we go? Uh, and he put it up, he put the bow, uh, and he played brilliantly the, 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 the hallmark song that he was known for. Uh, and, 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 and they realized it was Keisler, uh, and they allowed him, they allowed him to continue on He gave to them something that no one else could ever give. Uh, What I need from God, uh, when we meet with God, when we're in the cleft of the rock, when God gives us a revelation of himself, uh, I get from God something that no one else can ever give uh, as he speaks to us and heals us and encourages us and blesses us and fills us with a proclamation of, of God. The Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed. The Lord proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord proclaimed the name of the Lord. Or he revealed himself to Moses in a personal way, doing for Moses what only God could do, doing for Moses what only God could do. Hey, I need tomorrow morning something from God that only God can give. Well, we don't have it down good enough to skip our prayer time. Uh, we're not scheduled enough. We're not talented enough. We don't uh, have enough uh, of the Christian verb. Hey, if we don't miss, meet with God, we're going to be missing something for the rest of the day. And Moses, realizing that, the place of revelation, uh, and then Christ, Christ, the rock, uh, and then the proclamation uh, of God. Now, uh, look at how he proclaims who he is. God revealing God to Moses. God showing Moses... Who God is, the nature, the character of God. Look at verse 6. And the Lord passed by before him, chapter 34, verse 6. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God merciful. Now, the redundancy, time and, and then time, and then reiterating, God is telling us about God. God is telling us about God. And so, uh, where the Bereans were more noble than those of Thessalonica in that they searched the Scriptures daily to see if what Paul, the Apostle Paul, said was true. Wait, if they're double-checking Paul, uh, I hope you're double-checking me. But one person we never have to double-check. When God's preaching about God, when God's telling us about who he is, what his character is, what his nature is, but well, you never have to double-check God telling us about God. Verse 6, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God. Now, here it is. I wonder if the first thing he's going to say is holiness. I wonder if the first thing he's going to say is correction. I wonder if the first thing he's going to say is, is uh, you better watch out. Uh, let's look, look at the first thing he says. God telling us about God. And the first thing he says about who he is, merciful gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness. Boy, God, God's going to tell us. God's going to tell us about God. He's going to teach us about the nature of God. Uh, Moses uh, wants to know something uh, more about who he is. uh, And so there, in in Christ, in the cleft of the rock, uh, there, in Christ, God's telling him about God. And the words he uses is, the Lord God merciful and Gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. Is anyone seeing just the grace and mercy uh, and the compassion? By the heart of reconciliation, the heart that God has for a fallen man, by all humanity fallen, I'm glad that God has a heart to reconcile man. Look at it. Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy uh, for thousands. Look at this. Forgiving. And look at how he triples down on the different categories. Forgiving iniquity. And, and before you, uh, your low self-esteem says, well, I, I've, I've done worse than that. Uh, mine isn't iniquity. Mine is transgression. Okay. Forgiving iniquity and transgression. And transgression, well, well, well mine isn't uh, iniquity. Mine's not transgression. Mine is just flat-out sin. I love how he circles around three times. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Just in case there's a question about can God forgive me, boy, God says, hey, trust me. My heart of love, my heart of mercy, my heart of compassion, my long-suffering, my abundant in goodness, forgiving iniquity and sin and transgression. Hey, I can forgive you. Does anybody see that at all? Now, this isn't me telling you about God. This is God telling you about God. This isn't me trying to uh, give a falsely inflated, uh, one-dimensional view of who he is. No, it's God telling Moses, hey, you want to know more about me? Let me tell you more about me. Mercy, grace, Long suffering, uh, goodness, mercy, forgiveness, graciousness. Well, that's who He is. That's what His character. That's who my God. He's a heavenly Father. Look at verse six. And the Lord passed by before Him and proclaimed, "The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and, and transgression and, and sin. I'm forgiving all of that. However." Uh, And that will by no means clear the guilty. I'm not just going to overlook it. The guilty, the sin, the transgression. I'm not just going to overlook it. In fact, I love you so much, I'm going to send my son to die for it. I'm not just going to kind of, oh, that's no big deal. And oh, yeah, no problem there. Uh, No, my love and my mercy and my grace is so big, it's so great. Boy, I'm going to, something has to be done about it, and I'm going to do it. My son is going to die for it. Boy, his mercy, his grace, his goodness, his long-suffering, that will by no means clear the guilty, and if we reject it, if we reject it, again, uh, it, it's not just oh, overlooking it. Someone has to pay for it, uh, uh, and, and it's, it, it's by uh, the shedding of blood. Uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. He goes on, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children under the third and to the fourth generation. Okay, stop there just a minute. Uh, in your mind, generational curses. Generational curses. Uh, I do want to recalibrate your thinking about generational curses. Uh, well my dad was a drunkard uh, i can't help it i'm going to be a drunkard uh I, I my grandpa was immoral and so uh, i can't help it uh, his dad immoral and then boy i'm going to be immoral the, the generational curses the generational curse hey my my mom uh, verbally abusive and so uh, i'm going to be verbally abusive hey i may have tendencies and propensities but none of us are foreordained to follow those footsteps uh, of someone that had something, uh, and, and yeah, tendencies and yes, propensities. It's almost the counterpart to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, you're not predestining your child to turn out right. You're predisposing them. Uh, you're giving them tendencies, more opportunities to turn out right. Uh, and in the same way, in the same way, by visiting the iniquities of the fathers. Uh, my dad was a principal. He was an educator. Boy, my tendency is to be a teacher and educator. Uh, my mom, uh, uh, my dad uh, retired from my mom uh, all her life teaching. But my tendency, one of the reasons why, boy, is it preachy, is it teachy? Uh, well, my propensity is going to be, hey, it runs in the family. Uh, and in the same way, God's not teaching that extreme of, boy, uh, your dad did this. You're going to do that. Generational curses, in fact, Israel was buying into that hook, line, and sinker, and God had to correct that. He had to correct that, Ezekiel 18. What mean ye that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge? So connected that when they taste that, boy, they, they have their teeth set on edge. Uh, they end up uh, almost uh, squenching their, man, that, that bitterness. That When the dad tastes, the child reacts. say no more. Don't use that proverb anymore. As I live, saith the Lord God, ye shall not have occasion anymore to use those generational curses, to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so is the soul of the Son mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And I also think the other thing he's alluding to is the grace, the mercy, the goodness, the forgiveness the long-suffering, the graciousness. Boy, some Christian that's flexing his freedom and decides to drive drunk uh, and wraps his car around a telephone pole, boy, the natural repercussions are going to play out. Uh, If you have a child and your child loses his arm, he still has lost his arm. There's natural repercussions, but please, please, please don't think that, boy, I've cursed my child to turn out wrong. Uh, uh, God's grace, God's mercy, uh, God's goodness, God's God's loving favor is so much bigger than all of that. God's saying, I'm a gracious God. I'm a forgiving God. I'm a merciful God. But, but, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is a man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. However, boy, if someone does something stupid and sinful, Boy, that, that person may end up carrying that natural repercussion uh, of that sin. Sin has a damaging effect on us. Sin has a destructive uh, effect on us. Uh, and if you reject God's mercy, if you, you reject it, hey, someone has to pay for it. Christ dying, forgiving. But if you reject that, it's going to have a lingering effect because of it. Imam. that spends her paycheck uh, at the bar down the street is going to have a child that does without. Uh, Kids, kids uh, that have a a dad that walks out of his family is going to be raised in a single-parent home or uh, be passed from mom and then to dad and then back to mom. There's natural repercussions of that sin. That doesn't mean that generational curse, you're going to turn out just like that, divorce, divorce, divorce. Uh, And to be honest with you, uh, my parents did divorce, uh, any tendency stops here. By the grace of God, God's mercy and his goodness, it's stopping here. Uh, we're going to start building a Christian heritage. Stephen, full-time assistant pastor, serving the Lord. Hannah, uh, full-time here. Uh, Rosa, he praise the Lord for what God's doing. But to have a victim status of, well, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. This is what's going to happen. But it's just inevitable. It's inevitable. They may have tendencies and propensities, but they're not doomed to say that they're doomed. Wrong teaching, because there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is this common to man. Uh, and God is faithful, who will not tempt you above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way, a way of uh, escape. Uh, also notice the nature of God uh, isn't uh, if you sin, I'm gonna punish your kids and I'm gonna punish your grandkids. Hey, I'm gonna get them if you sin. Boy, I think all of us, if you've been around church long enough, you've heard uh, people talk about, you better get right because God's going to kill your kid. God's going to, he's going to take your kid out. Uh, that, that kind of, of, of um, dominating, uh, rule-orienting, that, that oppressive nature, boy, wrong. The Lord passed by before him, proclaimed, and, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And I love you so much. I'm even going to warn you about some harmful effects of sin. But I'm going to warn you. I want to make sure that you're aware of those natural repercussions I will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of their fathers, upon the children, upon the children, uh, under the third and fourth generation. Uh, You ever hear someone say, you don't know me? You ever hear someone say that? Uh, Almost say, chippy, you don't know me. Uh, I would say anyone that preaches God as a God that is just uh, waiting for you to get out of line, can't wait to crush you, Uh, I I think God could use that phrase to the preacher or the Christian uh, that that teaches that, that thinks that, you don't know me. Well, you don't know me. Can I tell you about me? The Lord, the Lord God, uh, this is God talking about God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness, keeping mercy for thousands. Boy, if you're my child, I love you. If you're my child, you're saved. I'm merciful to you. If you're my child, I love you so much, I'm even going to warn you, that's God's incredible grace. And look at the response of Moses, verse number 8. Moses, because of that, made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and and worshipped. I love that song, here I am to worship, here I am to bow down. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down. Hey, Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped, boy, it's because he has a gracious, merciful, loving, abundant in goodness, uh, heavenly Father. Uh, That's why he bows and worships. Boy, if it's a God that's out to get him, he wouldn't bow to worship. He would run away, never to come back uh, again. Boy, it's that relational grace, that relational mercy. The goodness of God, which brings us to number three, write it down. The position of Moses, bowing, bowing his face, worshiping. It's the love of Christ that constraineth us. It's not the fear of hell that constrains us. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not the oppressive nature of God. Uh, he's given a revelation, and it's in a rock. It's in a rock. It's in the cleft of the rock. It's in Christ. That's the only place where you're truly going to see who God is. And by the way, uh, until you find yourself there, when you find yourself there, uh, you'll understand Well, He forgave me. He's merciful to me. He's gracious to me. He's abundant in goodness to me. He forgave my sin, and My transgression and my iniquity, that's who God is. Number four, write it down. The prayer of the forgiven. The prayer of the forgiven. And he said, if now I have found grace, if I've now found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. For it is a stiff necked people. I get that. We admitted that. We talked about that. Uh, Go among us, for it is a stiff necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for thine inheritance. But understand, it's based on God's grace. It's based on God's grace. If now I have found grace in thy sight, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then, then it wasn't because. Moses saying, well, I'm holier than they are. And boy, uh, you shouldn't uh, vacate because of uh, them. Uh, I'm better. Uh, it wasn't because uh, of, of Moses' uh, commandment keeping or religiosity. or No, it was God's, based on God's grace. Based on God's grace. By the way, uh, God's grace is what draws us. Uh, uh, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace. That we might find mercy and to obtain mercy to, to help in the time of need, but it's all based on grace. If now I have found grace in your sight, this is after verse six, the Lord told him about the Lord. Here's who I am I'm merciful and gracious. Uh, and then Moses says, On that basis, if now, or since now that I found grace, because I've found grace in your sight, I pray thee go among us and, and pardon our iniquity and sin, and take us for thine inheritance. Uh, to the age-old question, uh, do we need rules or do we need relationship? The answer is this, we need both. Uh, we need rules and we need a relationship. But understand, rules will never get traction until there is a relationship. If there's no relationship, then I don't care what rules you have, Rules without a relationship always leads to rebellion. Rules without a relationship always leads to rebellion. And based on your mercy, in fact, you're going to see it in verse number seven, uh, verse number eleven. He starts uh, reiterating, recopying the commandments, reiterating all of that. But it's not until, boy, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, uh, abundant in goodness. But it's always, first, the relationship. Always, first, the relationship. Because we've broken the rules. We've broken the rules. And until we're reconciled to him, uh, we aren't empowered. We don't have that motivation. We don't have the love of Christ constraining us. Uh, And if the answer is just one more rule, just one more rule, just one more rule, uh, understand it has to have that relationship. I love uh, pastors who... um, Uh, are pastoring and their kids are in third grade and fifth grade and sixth grade. and Boy, they're hard. I mean, they're hard. But but pastors that have had kids go through the teen years and grow up to successfully serve the Lord, boy, they understand this better. Uh, Until then, they really, well, this is how, this is how, rules and rules and give it a couple years and then come back and talk to me. Because uh, uh, raising kids has a way of getting you to understand What's important? And it's a relationship first and foremost. Because I said so. Because I said so. Because I said so. Because I said so. Rules without a relationship always, always leads to rebellion. And until we experience his merciful graciousness, his long-suffering and abundant in goodness, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, we won't want any rules. We'll rebel against... All rules, because rules without a relationship always, always leads to rebellion. And here Moses says, on the, on the basis of, if now I have found mercy, on the basis of that, be with us, forgive us, dwell among us. Look at verse 10. And he said, behold, I make a covenant before all thy people. I will do marvels before all thy people. Such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And uh, all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord, for it is wonderful. Uh, It is a terrible thing that I shall do with thee. And then verse 11, he shifts back to those rules on uh, observe uh, that. Uh, Observe thou that which I command thee this day. Behold, I drive out before thee the the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, uh, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. Take heed to thyself. And he basically, next 20 verses, he reiterates reiterates, uh, the commands, the commandments. But it's after the relationship. It's after the mercy. It's after the grace. It's after they know it's out of a heart of love. He loves them so much, he wants to warn them. In fact, Put down number five quickly. The protection of the law. The protection of the law. And, and so uh, Israel uh, breaking the law. And then uh, God says, hey, let me tell you about God. Mercy, grace, goodness, love, forgiveness. And then on that basis, boy, that's where the rules are. Verse 11, observe what I command you. 12, take heed uh, to yourself. Verse 15, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. They go a whoring. Uh, make sure that you cut down their groves. Make sure you're not worshiping their, their idols. Verse 16, and thou take of their daughters unto thy sons, and their daughter uh, and go a whoring after their gods, and make thy sons go a whoring after their god. But it's all on the basis, if now I have found mercy, if you are gracious, uh, since I have found mercy. Boy, it's that. It's based upon that. And let me say this. Sin isn't bad because it's forbidden. Sin is forbidden because it's bad. Okay, now get your mind around this. Uh, God didn't just capriciously, arbitrarily say, boy, I bet they think that's going to be fun. Thou shalt not. I, I bet they're going to want to do that. Thou shalt not. Uh, he, he didn't just arbitrarily say, thou shalt not. Sin's not bad because it's forbidden, because God forbade it. Uh, sin is forbidden because God in his omniscience knows what's destructive, uh, knows what tears down, knows what's harmful. Uh, and even the commandments are out of a heart of mercy and grace, uh, abundant in goodness, forgiveness. Boy, it's out of that heart. Boy, if you'd get that, if you'd get that, it's not just because I'm the dad, because I told you, because, because it's a rule. No, no, uh, sin isn't for. It isn't bad because it's forbidden. Does anybody get that? It's not bad because it's forbidden. Sin is forbidden because it's bad. Okay, you're saved. I understand for salvation. Uh, Spiritually, you're not under the law. You're under the blood. You're under God's grace. But thou shalt not commit immorality is still in play. Uh, Thou shalt uh, worship no other God, still in play. But it's based on the relationship of grace and love uh, and out of a heart out of a heart that that loves the lord it's a protection two ways number one it protects our family it it protects our family it's for our safety it's not for our salvation it's for our safety it's not for our spirituality Uh, our spirituality is that connection we have with god Uh, our, our spirituality is did you read your bible this morning It's not you keep more commandments than the guy next to you. It's did you spend time humbly bowing and worshiping and loving on and interacting with the word of God. Hey, that's where our spirituality is. Boy, the commandments are for safety for our family. And safety, number two, it protects our focus. It protects our focus. Sin takes you away from God. Staying inside of the governance of God's word Gives you a clear path to God. Uh, And it's the kabod, the shekinah glory of God. Boy, it's that, that manifest presence, spending time with him. Boy, that's what changes our life. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did. The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. But once we're with Christ, we're no longer Under a schoolmaster, hey, it's for our safety. It's not for oppression. It's not this way. It's this way. It gives us a clear path, a clear line of sight to the only one who truly changes our life. And that's number six, we're done. The power of his presence. The power of his presence. And we get into this thing, I think, in my opinion, the longer we're saved, the more we know what to say, how to act. What to wear, what the schedule is, uh, the outward, the externals, the expectation. Hey, we got that down. And people see whether we got that down. They don't see whether we bowed humbly before our God this morning, spending time in the Word, tears running down our cheeks saying, Lord, I love you. Thank you for being my God. Thank you for the Word that you give me and letting the Lord radically change your life. Boy, it's on that basis. It's on that basis. By the love of the Lord, drawing you on that. Look at verse number 27. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. Uh, And he was there there with the Lord, 40 days, 40 nights, there with the Lord, he did neither eat bread nor drink water, and he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables, because he was there with the Lord uh, at Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand. When he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone. He was glowing. He was radiating the glory of God. His face shone while he talked with them, And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. Stephen's not in full-time ministry because of some mechanical thing that we did. Uh, He's not in full-time ministry because, hey, stop doing that. You need to do that. Don't do that. Uh, because, Because we put him in a box and... Now, now, he's in ministry because, because of his heart, his, his love for. Uh, he saw parents uh, that were more about their relationship with the Lord than thou shalt not. Do this. Don't do that. Boy, it, 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 rules without a relationship always leads to rebellion. But when you live out your Christian life and people see a difference, uh, the glow of God, the countenance of Christ, boy, keeping a set of rules doesn't make you godly, Spending time with God makes you godly. Uh, Thou shalt not, thou shalt. Doesn't make you Christ-like. Walking with Christ is what makes us Christ-like. Basking in his presence is where his glow, his glow rubs off. And he makes all the difference in the world. Moses, God, show me your glory. Uh, No man has seen me and lived. I'll I'll show you, but it's only in the cleft of the rock. Christ, Christ, Christ. And then God tells him about God. As he passes by, he sees the glory. God tells him about God. And the first thing he says is, okay, here's here's what I'm like, mercy. Here's what I'm like, abundant in goodness. Here's what I'm like, gracious. Here's what I'm like, long-suffering. Here's what I'm like, forgiving iniquity, forgiving sin, forgiving trans. Hey, here's what I'm like, Hey, but be careful. I love you so much. Be careful because sin will destroy your life. Sin will damage your life. Hey, I love you so much. I want to give you governance so you have a clear path to get to me because I'm the one that changes your life. And that is today's message. We invite you to tune in next time with Scott Toole as he presents another message from Rosedale Baptist Church. For more information about today's presentation or about the ministries of Rosedale Baptist Church, go online to rosedalebaptist.org. That's rosedalebaptist.org. Join us again next time as we study the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse.